it was it, I've just know so much more and it's mostly written anyway because it's, it's mostly there and I think the yeah. presentation style with it should be more informative you're going to do a remaster of it you're going to CGI Agent Christensen's ghost into the end <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what you wanted Welcome to the Temple of Blair episode, something like 15. I think it's 15. Uh, it's 15. It's a weekly metal news roundup show and other fucking shit. So, I'm Jim, and uh, there's, again, no host, no co-host today. Uh, Raw's off fucking on some sort of tax dodge in Bavaria. I don't know what he's doing. He's away. He's busy doing life things. Uh, so, you're stuck with me. So, this is a kind of a, a bit of a housekeeping episode. Um, last week we didn't have an episode simply because um, I kind of pulled a fast one on myself and it was getting really tough to, to schedule in a proper recording session on the Tuesday night and I just absolutely bashed out like 12 hours of interviews over the previous few days so I thought, you know what, you've got you got enough you'll fucking do plus there was absolutely no news the entire sort of news cycle for that week was really just oh, I knew Eddie Van Halen, oh, isn't the new ACDC album good, oh, Adrian Smith goes fishing. That was literally it. Nothing new had happened, nothing of substance had happened at all whatsoever. So, um, as I say, I'm on my own. I'll go through the news from this week, and uh, afterwards I'll do a bit more of a housekeeping session with my friend Tom. My friend Tom is not a metalhead, uh, but he is a good friend, and we do chat a bit of shit on the uh, on the off-season when there's no podcasts on. So um, I thought I'd just bring him on and... Um, talk about some of the stuff that's going on with the podcast give it a bit of context for those who haven't really been listening uh, since the start because I know we've got a few more listeners off the back of uh, those interviews that have been pumped out for the history of Roadrunner Records which will continue to get pumped out at an abysmally fast and life destroying rate so enjoy those you bastards Um, right let's kick off with some news man I think it's been another pretty slow week it's not been not been too terrible. You know what? I kind of themed the news for this week. It's about the sons of certain rock stars because nothing of substance has really happened. You'll, we'll get into that. So but let's let's just crack on. So I was watching the Notfest footage from a few weeks ago, um, and I saw some songs from Corey Taylor and Clowns Kids uh, in their band Vended. Now these kids are like, I don't think they're much older than seventeen, eighteen, late at most eighteen. Uh, but their set was pretty interesting. It, I'm not going to give them any grief at all because I think if you're the sons of Corey Taylor and Clown from Slipknot, I don't think you can argue that they've had a very privileged upbringing. Yeah, they're probably millionaires living in massive houses and getting the best education. But, you know, it's Corey Taylor and Clown. It's not exactly like fucking white picket fence and a poodle. It's a pretty fucked up upbringing. Well, not fucked up upbringing. I just don't think... I don't think you could be making any claim that there's any silver spoons being in these kids' mouths. I think they've been very much exposed to the industry um, and the doings and goings-on of Slipknot. And I think they wanted to put a band together. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So shut your goddamn mouth if you have any contention with this. But the thing is, Corey Taylor's son is singing. Clown's uh, kid is drumming. Um, What's Corey Taylor's kid's name? Let's actually give it a fucking Google and give him some actual respect, should we? Okay, Griffin Taylor and Simon Crane. Those are the two individuals. Um, but yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, in terms of like, this is the thing, yeah? I'll tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like a 16-year-old's band. 
like we've all been to gigs when we were younger and you had mates who were in bands and they produced music and it sounded like 16 year olds in a band I don't think it's particularly amazing um, Griffin Taylor sounds like Corey Taylor he's not he's not deliberately delivering a Corey Taylor performance he's definitely putting himself out there it's pretty good the drawing's tight the musicianship is all really tight um, and yeah I thought it was it was it wasn't like anything I'd heard before which is good right so I think this is definitely one I want to keep my eyes on over the next few years um, I have no issue with them being the sons of Corey Taylor and, and um, Clan from Slipknot I don't think there's like I say I don't think there's any there's no contention in my mind as to where this is all coming from and it was okay so keep your eye on that one I think uh, similarly a song came out from the sons of Scott Wheeland slash and Robert Trujillo um, what's their band called Suspect 208 um, and they've put out a single called Long Awaited and it's the same kind of story it's interesting this week man it's been really weird so how old are these guys so Noah Wheeland Scott Wheeland's son Wheeland's son uh, 20 years old <clears throat> London Hudson slash his son 18 years old and Ty Trujillo who is the 16 year old son of Robert Trujillo uh, they're joined by 18 year old guitarist Nico uh, Sangaris I think Ty Trujillo if I'm not mistaken went on tour with Korn when he was 12 when someone dropped out who was it that dropped out of that fucking tour yeah when Fieldy dropped out of um Korn's South American tour at 12 years old uh, Ty Trio filled in on bass that's pretty good but this is the thing I think not no disrespect to Vended I just thought this song sounded pretty good um debut single is long awaited by Suspect 208 you know it sound it's drawn a lot of Velvet Revolver comparisons uh, which the band attests to being accidental I think that's fine it sounds a bit better I quite like it I like it a bit more than the Vended song, uh, songs but it's not Again, it's it's just some fucking kids in a band. It sounds pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, it is like it does sound like something I've heard before, but I can't knock the musicianship on it. Like any other band, it usually takes a few years for them to find their sound, to find their direction. Um, but yeah, fuck it. Enjoy yourselves with it. It's good. It's a good laugh. Crack on. Suspect 208 and Vended. Just keep doing what you're bloody doing. And don't let anyone give you any shit for it. So... And last on the, my trilogy of uh, sons of musicians who've got songs out uh, Wolfgang Van Halen banged out a song called Distance um, obviously it's about Eddie Van Halen what with him being dead and everything um, it was thrown out of there and people immediately attacked him for basically doing a cash grab um, the song itself is pretty good it's alright It's uh, the video is set to a lot of home footage of himself Um Wolfgang Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen doing you know, the dad and kid thing, which is cool. Uh, it tugs at your heartstrings a little bit because that wound is still a little bit raw, I think. Most importantly, though, I think what's quite poignant about it is the grief that we feel for Eddie Van Halen's loss isn't anything like Wolfgang's grief. It's a completely different thing. And I think this song does really well to sort of compound and deliver that grief in a way that sort of offers a bit of perspective um you know a perspective from the kid's son oh, sorry the, the guy's son as opposed to someone who just sits there going i don't think Eddie van halen was finished yet and it is sad that he is not going to finish what he started you know and that's the thing with Eddie van halen 
I think everyone was a little bit more gutted because it wasn't, I don't think it was unexpected. He'd been ill for a long time, but I don't think he was finished. I mean, that 2012 album by Van Halen is pretty fucking good. But as I say, that's our grief as consumers of Van Halen's music. And that's Wolfgang's grief. And it isn't a cash grab, because it was for charity. So he's probably rushing it out to get it out there as quickly as he fucking can to make as much money for the charity. I can't remember what the charity is. Let's fucking look for it. Alright. Eddie Van Halen died of cancer on October 6th. Wolfgang is giving all of his proceeds from distance to his father's favourite charity, Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation, which donates instruments to underfunded school music programmes. That's from Rolling Stone. So yeah. I don't, it's not a cash grab if it's for charity. Hats off to him for fucking pumping it out. Maybe, I don't know if it was recorded way before his death, uh, Eddie's death, and then this was always part of the plan. Or maybe he just quickly fucking banged it out and then tried to capitalise for the benefit of the charity over the situation. Either way, it's pretty good. So that's the sons of, uh, that's the sons of all the, uh, the folk, all, all the, the musicians that we all love. Not a very busy week in terms of news, i got to tell you. However, the uh, best... Sorry, the Grammy nominations are being pushed out. Uh, Metal Injections reporting. Here are the nominees for the best metal performance at the 2021 Grammys. Let's just go straight to it. So, Body Count, Bum Rush, Code Orange, Underneath, In This Moment, The In-Between, Poppy, Blood Money, and Power Trip, Executioner's Tax, Swing of the Axe, Live. So it's going to go to Power Trip. Sorry, Ice-T, that's just how it's going to fucking go, I think. That's another one where the loss that was compounded it, 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 and delivered to us uh, from Riley Gale's passing, we kind of just quickly understood, oh, that fucking kid, he wasn't done yet. That was going to be a huge band. They were going to be absolutely massive. The loss is just simply too great. That Grammy's going straight to Power Trip. Sorry in this moment, but that's kind of what it's going to be, I think. <clears throat> and that's all I've got for valuable news this week. There's been a few other bits of... Oh! Oh my god, I completely fucking forgot. I completely forgot. Metallica Bingo has been ongoing, and we actually ticked off uh, one of the um, one of the boxes. So on one of the boxes for Metallica Bingo, we said that uh, Metallica would do a live stream event, and they'd somehow they'd somehow sort of like change the game, they'd up the stakes, and um, do something relatively impressive. Now they announced the live stream, which is a, an annual uh, acoustic. It was an annual acoustic gig for the for a, I think it was like a school benefit or something like that. Something that happens every year. Uh, and when this was announced, me and Ro were like, "Oh yeah, maybe this is going to be the thing." And then the more I read about it, the more we were like, "Nah, this is just normal. Nothing new is happening here." Uh, but it happened, and it turns out they that people who how do I fucking how do I describe it? So they did the live stream gig, but in the background on LED screens were. Uh, kind of face cams of people watching the stream so like the audience was in the the audience was there on the live stream basically floating around like you could you'd see James Hetfield dicking about on on an acoustic guitar and then in the background you'd see a load of faces a load of front people's front rooms and offices and stuff like that and them going oh yeah fucking hell we're here at this Metallica gig so when it was reported I think it was Blabbermouth that used the um, actual terminology here it was said oh Metallica have raised the bar for live streaming and I was like, yes, that's it. Tick that off the fucking list. So that's the bingo card. Um, one box ticked, eight to go. <clears throat> and from what I'm gathering, Metallica are now kind of balls deep into uh, writing for their new album. So we're bound to see the press cycle start picking up and we're going to start seeing, oh my God, it's going to be great. All these boxes get ticked off. Everything we predicted like from the first episode of this podcast is going to get fucking nailed we don't benefit from any any of this 
I'll tell you what the stakes are. The stakes are nothing. But it's a bit of fun. So that's Metallica Bingo. Now, in reverence to um, the absent co-host, Raw, I did find some metal tat for him. Um, first of all, there's uh, Metal Sucks is reporting that Kill Switch Engage's Adam D is now available in vinyl toy form. And it's just like a little goblin man who looks a little bit like Adam D with his hands in the air. <laughs> The Japanese-style hero toy is titled, and there's some Japanese characters, which translates to Drunk Beast. It's manufacturer Devil's Head Productions, helmed by Adam's brother Toby. Oh, that stacks up. Previously described the toy as follows. Rooted in the history and tradition of Japanese superheroes like Ultraman and Kamen Rider, will soon take flight. Oh, sorry, no, sorry. Ultraman and Kamen Rider, Drunk Beast, will soon take flight. This summer fall... Slash fall. Armed with the power of positivity, the drunk animal, or beer monster, will be unleashed on the world and take down anyone and everyone with a negative attitude. Look for Drunk Beast to make his debut in the later half of 2020. These toys will be made in Japan using the same soft vinyl production process as all of our other Sobify toys. Or Sobuf- Sofubi? Sobfubi toys. Godzilla, or Gojira, as they say in the native, uh, native tongue, had nothing on Adam D. So there you go. You can purchase the current incarnation of the toy, which is available in Halloween Vomit, right here. And the link takes you to Devil's Headquarters, which is a dead link. So, good job, MetalSucks.net. So that's Iron One of, of Metal Tap. Now, Anthrax have been completely have been storming the goddamn gates with shit that they've been selling uh, for the past six months. I think we had... Um, a beer that was put out, maybe some coffee. Uh, there was going to be a spreading the disease, yeah, spreading the disease face mask or spray or something like that. But now, I'm happy to confirm that Anthrax have announced the limited edition Persistence of Time wristwatch. Yep, you heard it here first. Uh, there's only 50 being made that look pretty good, but they thought it was worthy enough to do a short TV trailer for it. I don't know what to tell you about that. I wonder where the line is between between just trying to make uh, um, make do with what you've got and selling out. I don't know. <laughs> There's a fucking lot of anthrax shit being shoved in our faces for the last few months. I'll tell you that, man. Another second one as well, man. Anthrax are uh, anthrax. So yeah, metalsucks.net is uh, reporting that anthrax are enlisting all star writers and artists for Among the Living graphic novel. So here's the full list of writers. Uh, how the hell is this going to work? I've no idea. Uh, Brian Azzarello, Grant Morrison, ooh, Grant Morrison, Jimmy Palmiotti, Brian Posehn, comedian, uh, Rick Remender, Corey Taylor, fucking he's everywhere, Joseph Troman, Gerard and Mikey Way from My Chemical Romance, Rob Zombie, and here are the artists currently committed to participating. Roland Boshi, Marn House, Dave Johnson, Scott Coblish, uh, Derek Robertson, Eric Rodriguez. Uh, there will be covers by Charlie uh, Bennett, J.G. Jones, Eric Powell, uh, and a story by Bennett and Scott Ian, inspired by the fan-favourite anthem I Am The Law, featuring the le- legendary comic book, book anti-hero Judge Dredd in partnership with 2000 AD. So it's a fucking... It's a mashup of everything and anything involving everyone and anyone. And I'm sure it's going to be great. It's just another fucking notch on Anthrax's bedpost uh, as I watch the money start fucking raking in. Is there anyone out there who's just buying anything they put out? That's what I want to fucking know. Must be. 
Right, well, that's it for Metal Tat, guys, and that's also it for the Metal News stuff. So I'm going to roll straight over into what is loosely referred to as a feature for this this week. Uh, as I've stressed, I think um, there's a fair few of you who are quite new to the podcast, so it's just me shooting the shit with Tom very laid back, um, just kind of setting the agenda over the next few weeks and everything that's sort of come before. Um, yeah, because there's going to be not, not any changes, but there's a few things that are coming up which require attention and require... Um, notification because there might be some slowing downs and some speeding ups and things some things are a little bit different just while we we move through a rather turbulent patch but anyway i'm gonna hand you straight over to that thanks very much for listening i'll speak to you guys later it's up nah just a little bit of a hissing but you know i think it's just ambiance uh, i have been having connection issues but they seem to have uh, resolved themselves now so fair enough well i thought um for this for this sort of episode, hmm. because um, it was it was light on the ground for news last week, um, and I pumped out like 10, 12 hours of interviews in that time. Yeah. Thought I'd give myself a fucking week off it, um, and because the hostess with the mostest roar is is off. Hmm. I don't know. He's like in the Antarctica on, on a tax dodge or something. Um, so I thought what. I could do here because because I feel like we've got a lot of new listeners by virtue of those interviews because mm-hmm. um, there was a big drive and there was a big sort of bump up on the listens. So I'm assuming there's some people on this who aren't like familiar with the format or anything. Uh, so to that end, I thought I'd do like a bit of a housekeeping episode with yourself. Right. Um, effectively sort of just banging on about things to come as we approach Christmas um, things that have passed. What's the other line? What? What's the Galadriel line? It's some things that are. So some things that were, some things that are, and some things that have not yet come to pass. That's it. Yeah. So the so the format previously was was news with raw and then feature with raw, and that's going to continue. Although it won't be raw, it'll either be yourself or someone else, or might be on me on my own. Mm. Whatever the fuck. <clears throat> Whatever, whatever can generate some kind of interest. But um, I might as well update, contextualize the history of Roder and Record stuff. And this is for your benefit as well, Tom, because you have no fucking clue what this is either, really. But no. it's like, what, what's happened is I, I set out, I'll, I'll start from the start. I kind of just wanted to use the podcast as a platform to do a shitty grade amateur history of Roder and Records, like the one that's on YouTube. It's basically just me chatting shit based on what I can read on the internet. Yeah. So the video, if you haven't seen it, is about an hour of me on some really shitty um, timeline software, like <laughs> plotting albums and going right. Well, this at this point, we don't know what happened. At this point, I can presume that the company was thinking this and blah 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 blah. <clears throat> so my intention with that was, okay, I can bang that out in two weeks. I can bang out part two in two weeks. That'll take you up to the year two thousand. And I can bang out part three that takes you to the end of independent road and records before it was bought out in 2012. Mm. And then what happened was I did part one and then people started coming out the woodworks and oh yeah, my band was signed to that. Oh yeah, I know the so-and-so blah, blah, blah. So now it's grown arms and legs. So I've not even started making part two and I've done yeah. about 24 hours of interviews or something fucking daft. Well, at least it should be more substantial. Well, this is the thing because now that I'm looking back at part one, it's wrong. A lot of the stuff is wrong. Yeah, it's not wrong. It's just like there's so much more there which I didn't know before. Now I know a shit ton. Yeah, comparatively. So this is this is the game plan. Yeah. Um, 
Right. This, this is how it's all going to work. So all the, all the interviews I do are going to be in two formats. They'll, or three formats. They'll either be audio, audio and video mm-hmm. or written. Right. So if you go on the YouTube channel, you notice that the, it's all sequenced. Like all the audio slash audio video interviews are lettered. <clears throat> right. So, but because some are audio only, there'll be some jumps on the YouTube channel. So it might go A, B, C, E, F, uh, H, yeah, that's because D and G are audio only, and they'll only be on on the Spotify. Yeah, so that's that. I only recently clocked on how to use Zoom and stuff like that, so that's why that is really. And some people can't yeah. use Zoom; they'd rather just do it over the phone. It just makes fucking sense. And yeah. then there's the other lot, which are written interviews, and you tend to find this with the much older bands who have to listen, who have to remember back like forty years. So mm-hmm. it's totally reasonable for me to send them an email with some questions, and they go, "Look, I'll get back to you in two weeks. I've got to hit the ponderous tomes in the library to figure out what I've, I was doing that day." Yeah. Uh, so they go off and do that. And those I'm putting on the site. And there is a website. It's a Wix site. Ooh. But it hasn't got a domain yet name. So it's like my Wix at Temple of Blood or whatever the fuck it is. Mm. Mm. Good plug there. Whatever the fuck it is. They'll be on the links. But the thing is, I might actually, because I've now got an abundance of um, um, written interviews, I now might put my hand in my pocket and actually buy a domain name. Yeah. But the point is, it's all grown arms and legs. So I might as well, I'm going to try and do my best, maybe just do it on the side, do like a spreadsheet of this is all the interviews on everything. Hmm. Um, this is this artist. Is it audio, video, both? Is it written, blah, 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 blah. And I'll just put it on a spreadsheet so everyone can sort of map out if they're like a band and they don't know if I've interviewed them or not. They can look yeah. at it from there. That's the idea. But the, the whole thing I wanted to do was like an episodic series on the, on the history of Roadrunner. Hmm. So I'm getting there with episode two. I've figured out a format but I'm going to test this format with a mini documentary series on this woman called the great cat. Right. Now the great cat is basically a neoclassical shredder. So she like shreds guitar, like she's a really mm-hmm. fast player, but it's mostly like Beethoven and Bach and stuff like that. But the, the, the appeal is she was from the late eighties and she just kept screaming at people. Like in yeah, like not joking. Like in interviews, in TV appearances, just fucking screaming. And well, inter- like randomly or in lieu of conversation, <laughs> it could be a mixture of both. To be honest, Tom. So, but the, her entire shtick is that she's a reincarnation of Beethoven, right? So, would that make you scream at people? Um, well, I'll, the, 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 you'll see it on this little mini documentary because I'm, this mini doc I'm doing it. Hopefully it's only going to be about 20, 25 minutes long and it'll have some video on it. But it's there's one bit where like Good Morning New York goes to our house <clears throat> and they just answer the door and the guy's raising his eyebrows because he's like, fucking hell, what's this about? And she just opened the door going, welcome to my house. Welcome to God's house. That's me, the great cat. <laughs> fucking banging on it. And it's all about her. It's like she's... She, narcissistic isn't really the word because it goes way beyond that she's trying to deranged yeah yeah like it's she's built a product around worshiping her as a musician so the rest way i find this is why i find her really intriguing because she's really good at guitar she's really compelling um the music's compelling in a way that if you were learning guitar you'd be like where's this been all my life I need to understand this a bit more. But you know, like when you're younger and people say like, don't compromise on anything, be a go-getter and all that stuff. It's like she took that literally and just didn't stop because she's still doing it. <laughs> got, got carried away with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But she's like, I think, so I think it's like a case study 
in what sticking to your guns can really do. And if you don't compromise, and I don't mean grow up, but I mean like if you're unwilling to work with people. Yeah. And she's a road runner act. And I spoke yeah. to Steve Ricardo who, who signed her. Yeah. There's, there's so many like fun little details there and it's, it's really cool. Um, so I'm going to test out the format on that. Mm. And I'm hoping to get it written and recorded. Hopefully this weekend, I've got a day free. Um, and our friend Shab is helping me with the music on it. Ooh. So all these things are happening. They're just happening way slower than I thought they'd be. Well, um, I suppose you've got time at the Well, you don't have time. People have time at the moment, though. Yeah, this is the thing. And eventually, that time will... I mean, when the pandemic dries up, no one's going to want to fucking speak to me, so I'm getting it all in now. <laughs> frankly. Yeah, I suppose. So are you, you mean people you're interviewing, not just people yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem, there's a problem with this as, as well, though, because like the great thing about the old like video series, like the secret channel for metal and stuff, is because I put all this effort into the presentation, right? Mm. And it's just so tedious, and all Raw does is make fun of me and laugh, and that kind of makes it... <laughs> that kind of makes it good and fun but because yeah. Raw's not here. I might just have to do it on my own as record it independently. Well, making fun of yourself. I can't, I can't, I just got, I've got to play it straight. That's the, that's the what I'm, I'm dealing with at the minute. I don't know how to do it. If I should really, I should I wait for him to come back and then do it. I don't know. But, um, I don't want to wait around for anyone. I want to just sort of crack on with it, to be honest. Yeah. 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 So what's going to happen is the great cat mini doc is going to come out in whatever form it comes out in. And I'm going to redo part one because part yeah. one, it was, I've just know so much more and it's mostly written anyway, because it's, it's mostly there. And I think the yeah. presentation style with it should be more informative. You're going to do a remaster of it. You're going to CGI Agent Christensen's ghost into the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make sure um, uh, in the background, there's plenty more Dutch, Dutch press, as was the case back in the day. That's what you wanted. But yeah, you couldn't do it first time round. I couldn't afford it first time round, so we had to do it again 20 years later. Yeah. But I want those to happen fairly close together. And then I can formally close the chapter on part one. And if anyone wants to have an interview from that era, they can do, but it won't be featured in that bit. I can move on. Yeah. Then part two is dealing with effectively 1987 when the Roadrunners US office opened up till about 2000 when Slipknot started coming about. Yeah, because that's and that's where I'm at now with the interviews. You'll notice, like chronologically, these interviews are sort of moving forward through the '90s at the minute. Um, I'm speaking to Heathen tomorrow night, which I think was their album "Victim of Deceptions" was 1990 on Roadrunner, so that should be all right. Um, but that's that's the thing for the next like the next sort of concentrated bit of activity before Christmas is going to be that mini doc on the Great Car. And I'm not going to tell her this, right? This, I'll tell you this, Tom. I did a fucking email interview with her. And it's like yeah. her PR person said, hey, great cat, what's your favorite font? And she went, Arial 12. And they said, fuck off. It's Times New Roman, font 36. Oh. It's like, it's fucking mad. It's really you good. Don't want, there's nothing wrong with Arial. And they're 11 usually now. It's the standard size for uh, for font. They snuck line at some point. Yeah, they change the status quo without telling anyone. I can, I can solve by a whole anyone. by a whole one of whatever measurement fonts are measured in. <laughs> but yeah, it was fucking mad. The interview itself was like it was. It was funny as well because um, I emailed her and went, "Oh, can can I can we do an interview on your time with Roadrunner Records?" And she just emailed back like within five minutes. And went, Jim, tell me five great uh, five most important questions, Roadrunner. Like that's how it was phrased. And then I will come back to you. So I sent her the five most important questions. And then she goes, right, when you promote my next album, um, 
Beethoven's 20, 250th anniversary and she gave me a load of links. Then I will answer your questions. Uh, so I was like, oh, all right, fair. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> all right, I can't not the hustle. So I did that. I did the Steve Ricardo. clearly. Yeah, yeah, they're fucking hustling, man. And I did the Steve Ricardo interview, which was really good. And obviously that's the guy that signed it. So I, I tacked on the promo, promo at the end. He retweeted, everyone, re- you know, a few other people yeah, retweeted yeah, yeah. it and it went around and she was happy with that and she responded. And it's just like, she answers the questions, but then tags on loads of like PR stuff to it. It's, it's mental. It's mental. But I, again, I, I'm not, the reason she's not famous now, right, is because no one could take her seriously mm. at the time. And I get that. But at the same time, she is really, really fucking good at music. So it's like, <laughs> so, so I want to try and balance the two and give her the time of day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what, that's where that is. Um, and then I can start on part two in earnest and hopefully that'll be, done after christmas yeah um, but these interviews are going to keep coming through thick and fucking fast um and that's the state of play and when the roadrunner thing dries up i'm probably just going to slow down and this weekly podcast will crack on it'll just carry on yeah um and then i'll find some other project to obsess over and that can be that can be the filler stuff throughout the rest of the week because i wasn't meant to like have five interviews a week and have to put <laughs> them out every fucking night or whenever the hell it is but that's so just you, how you, it's ended you, up you picked the time when everyone's got anything better to do with you you you're a victim of circumstance. Yeah, but I didn't intend. I didn't intend to like speak to everyone under the sun. But it, it's too compelling a story not to tell, and oh, there's too compelling opportunities not to take them. And really, the reason I did it in the first place, right, was because I thought I was going to get sacked, so I wanted to buff up my CV. Yeah, I was going to ask how you start with it in the first place. What made you pick Roadrunner in the first place? Because I with Roadrunner is. Because my, I was like a pretty box. You'll know this. I was like a bog standard metalhead. Like I liked Iron Maiden, yeah, yeah. ACDC, Metallica, and I was kind of like very much by the fucking numbers on that. And mm. then I listened to. I somehow came across Trivium's Ascendancy, which was mm. um, a massive fucking. They call it at the time they called it metalcore. Yeah. Now metalcore means something a little bit different, but um, it was a massive sort of movement of like. Um, mixing screaming was singing sort of thrash metal influences but classical metal influences but taken in kind of like a deathy kind of direction um very high energy very modern it was a completely refreshed take on modern metal effectively yeah um and what was pioneering about that particular wave was every time i picked up an album from a band of that particular ilk there's a little red logo in the corner which was roadrunner ah right oh so you so, sort of just got into that sort of subgenre of a subgenre and it just cropped up repeatedly yeah and the thing is it turns out roadrunner has a pretty uh, heavy legacy in terms of like metal all over like it was it heralded the the fucking death metal scene of the early 90s um it turns out that's where nickelback found their first home it's where slipknot were and things like that so it has a it has its fingers in many kind of like culturally significant pies yeah, um, but my point of reference was Trivium, and like 2004, 2008, that was my bit. And then I fucked off and started listening to like Alestorm and black metal and stuff, and I didn't really think much about it. Yeah, uh, but the the label itself got eaten up by Warner um, in 2012. Yeah, it was like a big hard stop to certain kinds of activity, not in a bad way. I mean, there's still some bands that are on on Roadrunner, <clears throat> but um, everything's kind of slowed down. So presumably, because it's now part of a big corporate entity, it's driven by where the cash cows, where's the money coming from, where yeah, it's independent wanting to take more risks. Not many risks, but still like you could you could gamble on um, Roadrunner coming out with some decent, you know, like pioneering shit over us. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I thought, well, no one's told that story outside of like the liner notes of a greatest hits CD. So I was like, well, I'll just fucking do it. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's what made me do it. Um, and it's kind of it's been good because my biggest sort of gripe at the minute is I get kind of weird imposter syndrome when I'm talking to people because. <laughs> As far as yeah. I'm concerned, I'm wasting their time. But at the same time, they seem quite engaged on talking about something re- like relatively specific and business-oriented rather than, oh, when was the first time I picked up guitar? Oh, well, yeah. I heard Yellow Submarine and that was it. And that's you know the run-of-the-mill interview you get with any musician. Um, whereas I'm like, right, how did what's so compelling about you that a Dutch fucking opera fan thought you were good enough to sign to his metal label? You know, what yeah. I mean? it's just, it's just, I feel like it, it, maybe it's a better conversation. I don't know. People seem quite engaged by it when I talk to them, but I still feel like I'm wasting their time. Well, the imposter syndrome is good. If you've got imposter syndrome, it usually denotes that you sort of know what you're doing, what you're talking about, and that you should be doing it. If you think you, you know, know everything, chances are you don't. So I wouldn't worry about that. No, yeah, you're completely right. And the thing is, as well, like, because I was only familiar with that sort of particular era of roadrunner music. Um, the big part of this podcast as a whole, nothing to do with Roadrunner, is to make sure I'm re-engaging with the metal community so I'm not really missing anything and getting my ear yeah. to the floor and listening to new music. And so part of this, this Roadrunner journey has got to help me go back and contextualize music I didn't really listen to. Yeah. Like, um, I'm only, like I wasn't really into Slipknot at the time. It took me quite a while to get into it. Now I kind of understand a little bit more of the scene it was coming onto and why yeah. it was so pioneering at the time. So I've got some context for it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's you know, it's been good. But um, yeah, that's, that's yeah. for those who have just like started listening to the podcast, that's the state of play. At the minute, that's where, that's where things are going. There's some other projects I want to, like little one shots. Like I want to know what happened to Justin Hawkins between 2006 and 2011. Yeah, that's specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah because he, he was like... Um, the Darkness split up in 2006 and got back together in 2011. But in those years, he had a solo career, but also a load of songwriting credits on completely mad as fuck. He like wrote on the new, on a new at the time meatloaf album. Yeah. And things like that. So I want to know if there's anything else there, really. I want to go down that rabbit hole and I'm still trying to find the secret channel for metal lead. Yeah. Yeah. Have I told you about that one? No. I want that gone. Oh my God. Right. So basically me and Raw spotted 10 years ago, that in the background of certain shots of certain TV shows on Channel 4, yeah, there was like oddly specific metal references or props. Oh, right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in the in-between is, for example, there's a Mayhem poster in the background. Mm-hmm. And Mayhem's like an obscure black metal band. I say obscure black metal band. For like for people watching Channel 4, no one will have ever heard of Mayhem. Yeah, for yeah. Metal, it's like relatively obscure. Um, and just things like that. So I've been going down the rabbit hole and trying to find people who would, because it's, it's deliberate is my point. Someone's deliberately putting these things in the background of TV shows. Yeah, so, someone's deliberately sneaking them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you watch that video, I, I, I go through like, these are all the things we've seen. These are the people I've spoken to who worked on these shows. And this is how, this is how far I've gotten into identifying the secret metal head. I've gotten yeah. a little closer as well. I'm getting there. I've got a few names of people who should know the answer of who the secret metal head is, but I can't find contact details for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it gets stupid, basically. I don't know. Fair enough. Sounds interesting. It's not. <laughs> it's absolutely not, but I like doing it, so. 
Yeah. But anyway, there's um the biggest the biggest thing the biggest sort of like um, most important thing upcoming regarding this podcast is I've got an impending life event which uh, could or could not knock me out of action for a considerable amount of time, um, which will remain somewhat somewhat nameless. Um, so to that end, uh, me and my friend Tom, as you are now known, um, hello, have decided, yeah, have decided what we're going to do is we're going to record some material, hopefully before you know over the next month or so um to backfill it so into to, to, to contextualize that a bit more we're adding a fucking film room to the temple of blair you walk <laughs> in you turn left and it's the film room and um film we're decided, yeah we're, we're doing we're gonna rip off mr sunday movies in the weekly planet again <clears throat> which is what this entire podcast is <laughs> if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah that's it so um what we decide we're going to do is we're going to watch some less lesser known Nicolas Cage films um, and basically talk about them. And that can be the feature for the weeks that I'm, I'm not in. So there'll all be something in it here and hopefully I'll be able to accommodate with the, low, the, the with the recent metal news because as a section, that doesn't take too long to do. Yeah. You better sneak a bit of, bit of, bit of live current action in. Yeah. And then just tack whatever rec- pre-recorded bit on the end about a Nicolas Cage film. Or whatever hey, else we've decided to do, yeah. Yeah, this is it. So I, we talked about Brian Blessed. We talked about... Did we talk, did we talk about, like, metal films? And it was like... Our, our close we, personal friend, Brian Blessed. Our close personal friend, Brian Blessed, yeah. Um, it occurred to us that Brian Blessed, as, as amazing and bombastic as the guy is, he's actually not got a lot of lead roles in anything. So it would kind of make it almost redundant to have an entire section of a podcast dedicated to his work. Yeah. Unless there existed like bodies of his work where everything else was edited out. <laughs> like Flash Gordon without anything to do with that lizard planet. Just just all Hawkman. It's all Hawkman. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. But anyway, no, we decided to do Nicolas Cage films. Um why? Because I haven't seen them all, so I wanted to watch them. And there was one that Jim's friend Eric recommended quite highly, so I thought that we can make a start with that one and then then crack on. And hopefully that'll be enough to tide me through my life event. And then coming out the other side, it'll just be back to normal. Plus, if we do Nicolas Cage films, we can watch The Rock, which, as we know, is the best film ever made. That is the one I've, I've listed. I've, done, I've given us five. Uh, fair enough. Would, Not unless I know that The Rock was a big thing. Yeah, go on, go on, let's... Okay, so we'll, we'll, I'll show you the, the film and the either the tagline or the synopsis, whatever was more compelling. So the first one is Mandy. This came recommended by Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchman, propelling a man into a spiraling surreal rampage of vengeance. <laughs> Sounds good, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, number two, Drive Angry. If you've seen any of these, let me know, apart from The Rock, which everyone's seen many times. Obviously, everyone has to see. Um, you know, Drive Angry it sounds familiar, but I don't know if I've ever seen it. I think it was pushed quite a lot. Like, you know, when we'd go to the cinema like every night in about 2000, between two, the years 2010 and 2012. Yeah. We'd go like every night, almost every night. Mm. Yeah, I think it was like pushed quite heavily then, but we just didn't see it. Nah, fair enough. So Drive Angry. It's another vengeance. It's another vengeance one. The vengeful father escapes from hell and chases after the men who killed his daughter and kidnapped his granddaughter. 
Yeah, more vengeance. Vengeance is the theme. More vengeance. Okay, this one's a new one. It's called Color Out of Space. A a secluded farm is struck by a strange meteorite, which has apocalyptic consequences for the family living there and possibly the world. Well, does he have to take vengeance on it? (laughs) I don't think so. We can only assume. Um, Now we're on to um, taglines. So number four, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. The only criminal he can't catch is himself. I don't, I don't know. Have I got to guess the film from the tagline? No, 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 no. That The title was Bad Lieutenant Paul. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. I, I thought it was a strange tagline. <laughs> the only criminal he can't catch is himself is the tagline. Oh, dirty yep. cop out, out of vengeance. Yep. <laughs> and then last but not least, The Rock. Alcatraz. Oh, only one man has ever broken out. Now five million lives depend on two men breaking in. Very 1997. God rest his soul. Oh, Sean. So that's the order of business for the next, like... Yeah, you know what, actually? You know what's really fucked me off? (laughs) Well, no, it's kind of relevant, actually, because you've got all these people who have just um, jumped on for the sake of the... You know, off the back of the interviews. It's taken... taken, Have faith in, like, me putting something out that's valuable, right? So I made a point about... Um, to to Raw at the start of the process, saying I want to put all the video content on Pornhub. Oh and yes, reason- I, we've had similar discussions about other video projects. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't think I think I said it for a laugh to you, but I think there is a compelling reason why we should do it, which is every three because I watch quite a lot of YouTube like content creator things, as mm. a lot of people do. Um, it's part of my daily routine. You got subscriptions, you got knock them on to watch later, and then when you're doing things, you have things on the background. Blah 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 blah. So. Every three months or so, there's always some sort of controversy around YouTube fucking over the content creators. Yeah, we've had one recently, haven't we? They've uh, been denying loads of uh, mid-level sort of content creators uh, pay for advertisements, citing that the views are being generated illegitimately. So like, oh, there's too many bots watching your channels and not pulling your advertising money. And this is, I don't this know is if you've thing. heard about this. Yeah, yeah, this is the... This, I have heard, I've heard roughly about that, but there's the most recent one that's fucked me off. So. Yeah. I, this is the thing, like, as far as like this podcast is concerned, we're not YouTube. The reason we're not on Pornhub, right? There's only one reason for that. And that's because like raw might get sacked. I might get sacked. Even though I think like Pornhub compared to YouTube, you don't hear every three months of people going on about, ah, Pornhub fucked us over. Right. And some bands. It seems pretty legit, doesn't it? Like they know what they, they know what people want. They're supplying with it. Yeah. No qualms, no mess. Well, there's, there's that. And there's actually like, some people, there's some bands that have like debuted music videos and stuff like that on Pornhub. Yeah. So it's, for me, that's just like my perception of it, right? My perception is that Pornhub is a more viable sort of safe for work, low stakes, low yield content platform than YouTube. Yeah. But this is the thing because I don't, I don't want to enter into a dialogue about how YouTube's fucking people over. I've already selected. There's going to be no ads on the podcast. There's no ads on YouTube. I'm not making any money from this. This is really, really is just for my mental health and my engagement with the subject matter. It's for nothing else like that. And I've designed it into be such, you know, accessible in such a fashion. And then last week, YouTube started saying, oh, actually, we're going to put ads on everything, whether you want them or not. Yeah. So now it's, you know, I've made it, it's now harder for people to enjoy the video content. So now I'm like, well, I should have gone to Pornhub. <laughs> yeah, as originally intended. I'm sure there's a chance for me to do some bit there about leaving if I'm not getting paid, but I don't know, it's late in it. Mm. So we'll skip that. 
<laughs> but yeah, that, that's just kind of fucks me off. But that's you know, again, again, it's just for the people who have just joined in. It's like this is there's no intention, there's no flow with this. There's no like algorithmically defined flow of content. You know, inverted commas. I hate the fucking word content. There's no. I'm not benefiting from this for any other reason than. I'm, I'm, my ambition is to fire on all pistons and I'm now at like 95% capacity anymore. I'll blow up and that's fun. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Fair and enough. now you two are like, actually Jim, you know what? If you're firing on all pistons, we want to fucking stick a Daz advert on there. Yeah, fuck off you bastard. Got to, uh, you know, you've got to sell the Daz. Mm. We're a business. They've got to make money. Wretch as I say that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the fucking state of play, man. It's yeah. unfortunate, but it is what it is. Anyway, what are you up to? <laughs> Me? No, not right lot, as I said. Yeah. Scouring the uh, scouring the old job market currently, but we won't, we won't divulge too much about that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure something will come up soon. Have you started playing uh, Battleground 3 in earnest like I have now? <laughs> no, have you started in earnest to bring up the skill up? <laughs> <laughs> well... For context, Battlegrounds is a Half-Life... It's a video game, which is a Half-Life mod, which is set in the American Revolution. So it's a multiplayer sort of big battle, first-person shooter, except it's like you've got muskets. So it's not like COD where Call of Duty, where you've got to, you know, you're jumping through windows, you're jumping about the place, and you're fucking... Call an intro and strikes and, yeah, shoot. No, no, no. You get one shot with your musket, and it takes, like, 30 seconds to reload the thing. And if you choose to reload it at the improper time, then you get bayoneted. <laughs> Someone runs up to you and pokes you with a knife. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I find it quite cathartic when I'm listening back to interviews or something I need to edit. So um, I've gone back into that, frankly. Um, but what they have, they've done since I last, last played the game was uh, they seem to have closed down a lot of servers oriented around certain clans. And I think the reason for that, and this is speculation, is because like on the public service, all the, there's just so many mic spammers who just so antagonistic because it's obviously the American Revolution. All they want to all they want to do is scream how shit the British are, or vice versa. It, uh, yeah, it, you know, plucks at political strings, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, but it's so much fun. So I've been playing. That's what I've been playing recently. I'll have to get to get some more practice in. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, it's worth a punt. It's 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 on brand for metal. I think as well. It's low. It's another low budget. Just because of the trooper trooper album cover. Mm. There you go. That's that the... probably the full extent of my metal knowledge. I know, you're so it's done. I am, but that's more you know a pirate thing. <laughs> you're more pirate than metalhead. Probably. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I might have to... Well, should we wrap it up there then? I think we've been going yeah, for we can. half an hour, 35 minutes. I saw Rammstein live once. That, that happened. Oh, when did that happen? Oh, that was a um, big day out in New Zealand. First time I went over. Oh. There was... Uh, I saw Rammstein, Tool, Iggy Pop. Yeah. Tool, there was lots of lasers. Rammstein, everything got fire. Yeah. I don't really... We struggle with Tool on, on the Temple of Blair. Yeah, I mean... You know, lasers were cool. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you enjoyed the lasers. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll wrap it up there then. 
Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, good, 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 good. Um, what do I do normally plug? It's been two weeks now, so what do I normally do? Oh, yeah, right, okay. So contact the podcast at templeofblair at gmail.com or contact me at Jet, spelt like Boba Fett, on the socials, and that's how you do it. And then Raw had a sign-off, which I think is good... Hang on. Good Blefinet. Which I think is his way of saying goodbye for now. Goodbye for now, all right, oh, yeah. But good Blefinet. He's an idiot. Yeah. Right, call it. Right, cheers to that, Tom. I'll see you, see you in a bit. Yeah, no worries. Bye-bye.